Discover FX's Shogun, the official podcast available now. Every legend begins with a story. Listen and explore episode by episode the story of war, passion, and power set in feudal Japan. Join host Emily Yoshida each week with the creators, cast, and crew in this exclusive companion podcast. They dive deep into the twists and turns of the plot, go behind the scenes, and explore the real-life history that informed the limited series based on James Clavell's best-selling novel. Search FX's Shogun wherever you listen to podcasts. Tax season is approaching, bringing potential extra cash your way. Rather than spending it all on an expensive deal filled with yada yada from your current wireless plan, consider switching to Metro by T-Mobile for no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada you don't take yada yada in life don't take yada yada from your wireless provider metro by t-mobile has no contracts no credit checks no surprises and nada yada yada stop by one of over six thousand metro stores nationwide this episode is brought to you by alienware during dell tech fest score game-changing innovations with limited time deals on select next-gen alienware gaming tech new dimensions await with advanced gaming systems like the alienware m18 laptop powered by an intel core i9 processor featuring awe-inspiring visuals liquid cooling three-dimensional audio with dolby atmos and impressive overclocking potential your dream setup amazing prices and free shipping await you for a limited time only at alienware deals. That's alienware.com slash deals. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We are joined, as always, with our super producer, Paul Mission Control Deccant. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this stuff they don't want you to know. We've often said in earlier episodes that history hinges on the smallest things, and this is true. In fact, you know, if you think about it, you could describe this story of humanity as a series of terrifying close calls. Uh, did you guys ever hear about this ancient population bottleneck? No. Yeah, please tell us. Right now, we've got a little less than 8 billion people on the planet, right? Uh, and everybody agrees it's kind of a crowded place. Back in the day, uh, the opposite was true. There were, there were around 10,000 people or so. On the planet. That was it. That was all of the homo sapiens. And the uh, the odds were not looking good. And then in the modern era, post-nuclear weapons, the world has almost ended by accident so many times. Panic, miscalculation. We have so many close calls where people almost deployed nuclear weapons. 
Like it went down to one or two people who mm-hmm. said, hold on, let's think about this. Yeah, clearly the uh, impetus for the fantastic Stanley Kubrick film, Dr. Strangelove, that sort of satirizes how on the edge of annihilation we as a species constantly live, largely because of ignorance and uh, incompetence. Mm-hmm. The Hunt for Red October, if you're talking about film, is also a, a pretty good study of what signals people send during times of rising tensions or war. But altogether, it's pretty impressive to realize the human species has made it to 2021 in the first place. The first part of 2021. We can't call the end yet. Uh, Reporters, politicians, generals obviously don't want to meet the public every week and say, we don't know what the hell's going on, (laughs) but, but everybody is acutely aware of this problem. Human beings are not super great at communicating clearly. And this miscommunication can have disastrous consequences. So as a result, all of the countries on the planet now have been playing a very strange game with the balance between transparency and obfuscation. Yeah, and that leads to things like rules of engagement, you know, like these sort of codes that we all agree to follow. But maybe it's a little more like, a, okay, this would be nice if we all agreed to this. And in theory, we do. But we've also seen the way those things can completely break down with just a few bad actors or a few people that don't adhere to these kind of tacit codes of understanding, right? Yeah, and nobody thinks of themselves as the bad guy. No, and humanity humanity has formed all these things for a long time. Think about NATO. Think about, you know, the World Health Organization. Think about all these groups uh, that try to come together from multiple nations and multiple Paris states. Climate Accord, things like, you know, The Warsaw like Pact. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we're talking about treaties. We're talking about international conglomerates mm-hmm. in a way of a state. Uh, they, they come together and we make rules that are honestly well-intentioned. And like you said, we're not attempting to give all of our secrets away as a country, but we are trying to minimize inaccuracies, minimize miscalculations. One of the agreements that the human species reached uh, not too long ago was something called the Open Skies Treaty. So here are the facts. This treaty is... Pretty extraordinary, actually. It it allows all of the signatory countries to fly unarmed surveillance craft over the entire territory of every other country that participates in this treaty. Right now, there are more than 30 countries on board with this. And it's it's pretty weird when you think about it. It is weird, especially when we think of things like you're in our airspace, you know, ideas like that of being shot down or being threatened because you accidentally wander to someone's airspace or into, you know, waters that are part of a sovereign nation. Ben, uh, right up front, how is this different than that? Is it the unarmed quality? Because I feel like that kind of threat happens even with just like, like, say, a commercial flight or whatever, like a private jet. Yeah, it's 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 kind of like that stuff, but. The Open Skies Treaty specifically is for optic observation from the skies. Uh, And uh, there there are a couple other sensors that are used in the flights, but it was specifically designed so that each country could have a direct 
um, a, a direct role in looking at the military activities of other countries. So, you know, it's not you hear a report, even if, you know, all these countries are friendly with each other, you hear a report about the military gathering armored vehicles in one part of their country, you get to actually go and look at it. And it's really just a way to make sure everybody's on the same page. Uh, We're not doing anything secret here. Everything's fine. You can take a look. It's cool. That's really what it is. Yeah, the idea here is that there will be less cloak and dagger stuff going on. Because the issue here is that misunderstandings used to proliferate pretty often. You know, we have to remember, like, during the Napoleonic Wars, for instance, the fastest method of communication was this Game of Thrones stuff. Like send send a raven kind of things, and uh, and that's that's not super reliable. And you know, as you guys know, I'm the last person to dunk on ravens or corvids in general. But they're <laughs> Those just are your no, people. They're just not as good as planes in terms of uh, surveillance. So so we could maybe the idea of open skies is we could maybe nip some of this stuff in the bud. It's an historic agreement. You guys, I mean, given how the problems that you've discussed throughout humanity and the problems that we continue to have with miscommunication, can you imagine what it must have been like to have to wait for a letter to to arrive by carrier pigeon or raven or what have you, and all of the horrible things that could happen in between? It's like it's like we joke about how like so many of the problems in modern sitcoms could be solved if people had cell phones. You know, like I mean, I can't even imagine. So much like diplomatic uh, nightmare scenarios could have taken place. For sure. You know, and horrible things can still take place with the machinery, you know, with the if the planes and jets that are out there doing this kind of surveillance. Uh, but it's not the same as, as a raven getting caught in a storm or attacked by an eagle. Um, <laughs> have you guys uh, uh, ever been in that situation? You know, a, a situation of limited communication? Not for a long time. Uh, yeah. I mean, I've been in the wilderness before, where there's no signal for anything. Sure, it's an eerie feeling. It's something that um, a lot of our listeners in the developed world may be unfamiliar with, because there is a pretty great communication infrastructure in most of the West, most of the developed world. But if you get if you get too far in the wild, we've got some listeners now in rural areas uh, who, you know, may have just gotten a fiber internet connection. You know what I mean? Of like a, a fast internet connection. However, in much of the world, communication is still stymied and it's still... Um, if you go on Reddit or you go on a travel forum and you look for problems in the developing world that aren't really mentioned in the developed world, what you'll see is, uh, is that safe delivery of accurate information is kind of a luxury. Open Skies is meant to eliminate miscommunication, which is still rampant in the world today, but was even more widespread uh, in decades past. And it's not a new idea. President Dwight Eisenhower, yes, the military-industrial congressional complex guy, first proposed the U.S. and the Soviet Union allow, he called it aerial reconnaissance flights. 
over each other's territory. He he pitched this in July 1955 at the Geneva Conference. And again, this is, you know, this is before widespread satellites. Both the USSR and the United States were kind of flying, kind of flying blind. I'm going to say it. Well, yeah, the, the, think about the tensions that existed there with the two superpowers after World War II. It had been a, a little while since then, but there's, you know, there's still tensions. There's still worry about what the other one is doing and what machinations may exist over on that other side. Just, you know, and that, that exists for both countries. So um, it, you can imagine that this concept was probably not taken very warmly immediately. Uh, Because it wasn't. (laughs) Yes, Matt, you are correct, sir. The USSR, the Soviet Union, was not having it. They said this initiative was BS. It was malarkey. It was hog swallop. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, essentially what it sounds like is, oh, you just want to spy on us. You just want to openly spy on us. Cool. Really? Really? You want to have a conversation about how it's cool that you spy on us, but you can spy on us too, dude. It's fine. Right. <laughs> it's so weird. Yeah, yeah, it, it is weird. And, you know, this is something we came across off air in, in the research. Uh, you'll notice that we've used the word surveillance and reconnaissance interchangeably here. But there's there's an important difference, right? Yes, there absolutely is. So uh, reconnaissance refers to specifically monitoring outside of friendly territory, which makes sense if you think about it in like, a, let's think about like, you know, Medal of Honor or whatever, those video games. Like, you know, you're doing recon, you're like the squad that's going out and checking the area for like mines and stuff or like, you know, making sure ahead of everyone that's moving in that it's okay. Um, or, you know, getting intel about what your target is like, et cetera. It definitely... The image that this conjures for me is creeping around through hostile territory. Right. And surveillance could be just monitoring in friendly territory. The point is the USSR and the United States were the definition of not friends at this time. Uh, So, of course, of course, the government of the USSR is going to say, what the hell is wrong with you, dude? You're being crazy. But the problem was there. And eventually all parties realized it. The problem uh, was miscalculation is rife. You could, for instance, based on your intelligence at the time, mistake a routine supply operation as preparation for the launch of a missile. Or you could be a pilot and you could be doing a routine flight and you could have something messed up with your instrumentation you could have human error, you could end up violating sovereign airspace, which could also be considered uh, an act of aggression instead of just some hapless schmuck in the the wrong part of the air. Uh, Or in the worst case scenario, you could mistake something innocuous as preparation for nuclear war. And that's where that's where the open skies treaty comes from. So to Eisenhower and the Eisenhower administration, this could save lives. Or, you know, humanity. All, yeah. all of humanity. Yeah, yeah, them too. <laughs> and so, of course, Moscow says, no, no deal. You're, uh, you're a crazy American. 
uh, uh, well, I don't know what they would call us at that time. Yankee, they say. So you're you're a crazy Yankee. Uh, this doesn't work out, but the seeds are planted. And so in 1989, then President George H.W. Bush, also you may remember him from his earlier work in the CIA, uh, he's he's the guy who says, oh, you know, that's not bad. Let's let's do some flyover stuff, which makes sense, you know, spy wise. There's one more thing to bring in here. You, you we mentioned it early, early on, just the concept that there weren't a lot of satellites that had good enough imagery that were, you know, in the right places in order to have just kind of l- large scale surveillance, like wide, wide surveillance that is constant. We didn't have that. So we really were relying, every, every country was relying on planes and, uh, you know, film cameras, like think about 1955 film cameras, and then how much optical technology expanded and evolved from 55 to like 89, 90. It was still really good stuff, but we're going to talk about it later. Once we're in the 90s, satellite technology is a thing. It's heavily a thing. So so it is a bit strange still that this this treaty and this pact ends up being focused strictly on on jets airplanes. Yeah, to a degree it's a it, it's a self-limiting uh treaty. And we'll we're getting to the conspiratorial aspects of this uh very soon folks. Uh just for, just for a note for long-time listeners, you could say that the satellite program on the U.S. end, began in the very late 1950s, uh, the Corona satellite program, which which is nuts that people don't talk about that more often because it is logistically, objectively impressive. Yeah. They were they were dropping film. They yeah. had these things up in like low Earth orbit, and they were dropping canisters of film. That's so nuts. But yeah, they did it. And for a long time, the planes were better. But obviously, in the modern day, satellite technology is a huge piece of the problem. Let's talk about how the treaty itself works, right? So in 1990, NATO and the Warsaw Pact, think of that as the Russian NATO, if you want a really easy comparison, uh, they started negotiating this in 1990, and it went into effect in 2002. Currently, as we said, 34 countries signed on. There is no expiration date to this treaty, and if you are a country that is not involved, like if you are Nepal, or Bhutan, or Switzerland, all three of those countries are not involved, then you can petition to sign on. And you there there's like a there's an explicit process for it, but essentially all that needs to happen is for the other ex- countries that are already in the treaty to be like, yeah, we want to fly our spy planes over your stuff too. And and doesn't the treaty actually kind of really spell out exactly what kind of equipment can be used? Oh yes, yeah. So yeah. when I asked at the top of the show, like, how is this different from like, okay, you're in our airspace. This is essentially like making an appointment. Like you have to give notice and you know exactly what the rules are and you have to follow, you know, using this agreed upon type of equipment, correct? Yes. You have to give 72 hours notice, essentially. Uh, and then, and then there's, it's really, I mean, it's great. It's a treaty. 
lots and lots of words, lots and lots of stipulations about how many hours you get to agree to this, to agree to that, to give your flight plan in, to get it approved. It's uh, it's it's all fun in that way. Uh, uh, last thing here, we're going to go in and talk about all this. If you want to follow along with any of this and just read more, we highly recommend the website armscontrol.org. You can actually see pictures of a lot of the stuff we're mentioning in the show today, so you can kind of check it out. I would also recommend the Federation of American Scientists. Uh, they have a great summary of this. We're going somewhere with this, folks, and it's not just enemy airspace. No. Uh, it, it turns out, it, Noel, you're absolutely right. The treaty is not just specific on the type of equipment that can be used for surveillance, but it also has rules regarding how new equipment can be introduced or how it can be turned down. It also, there's a really cool thing in this treaty. <laughs> I, well, I say cool. I think it's funny. Uh, let's say you're a smaller country and you don't have the biggest air force, but you're a member of open skies. There's this thing in the treaty called the taxi option. So imagine that like, Matt is France and Noel is Germany and Matt's country wants to surveil Noel's country. Then Noel as the leader of Germany has the option to say, get your own planes, fly your own planes over here. You know, the rules, buddy, or Noel as the, uh, you know, in Germany can say, Actually, we will take the German plane. Indeed. That's of course what I would say, because as you know, I was once a young German boy. Yes, yes. And I didn't mean to stereotype you there. But it's but it is pretty neat, you know, the idea like this applied to the US too, past tense. Uh you could if you were the US, you could say, Okay, you want to surveil me France. Matt, I don't know why I made you the leader of France, but here we are. It's all good. It's in my it's in my blood. So yeah, well, let's do it. Keep going. <laughs> all right. So so then, if you're the U.S. and you know France wants to uh, surveil you under this treaty, then you can you you have the choice as the observed country. You can either say, okay, yes, yeah, send your planes over, send your folks over, or you can say, oh yeah, we'll we'll run a plane around for you. Uh, the treaty does require people from the observer country to be on board. So they got they got in front of that. Anyway, getting in the weeds a little bit. Uh, each member of the treaty has a couple of quotas. They have a number of flights that they can conduct over other countries. That's a that's a called their active quota that has a maximum number that has a ceiling, a threshold. And then every country has a number of flights it must accept from the other countries. Think of that as something with a floor. There's a minimum there. It's called a passive quota. It has to do with the size of the country, I believe. Or, or mm -hmm. I believe that's the actual like physical size of the country. Right. Yeah, because we are talking geography at this point, more so than geopolitics. But eventually they end up being the same thing. So the cool part is. Uh, the one of the cool parts, one of the distinct parts of this treaty is that any member has the right to request information received by any other country, 
under this treaty. The the weird thing is being that that it's the government. They have to pay for the cost of reproduction. They have to pay for printing. Yeah, they're fees, dude. Come on. <laughs> These are, this, this is high quality, <clears throat> now digital, hopefully, <laughs> photography. <laughs> I just, I, I love that part. I love those parts in treaties because it's so, it is so petty, but it is easy to imagine if if that stipulation did not exist, wouldn't one country... Just to be super petty, wouldn't one country just start demanding reproductions of everything and try to, try to break the bank? I just love it. I love the idea. I love the idea. Uh, but yes, that's the treaty. Came into force January 1st, 2002. As you might imagine, things did not work out as planned. And uh, we'll tell you why they didn't work out after a word from our sponsor. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation vlogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness, kick back and spread some positivity into the world from smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports on stages and at the box office. Women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to women take the mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. 
Join Metro. They help you stay ahead of the game with nada, yada, yada. That means no contracts, no credit checks, and no surprises. Outsmarting yada, yada means, uh, you know, taxis and stuff. Shady subscriptions. Did you guys ever order something online and you thought it was just like a one-time purchase, but then you found yourself subscribed? Yeah, I had to call and stop payment on something because I had subscribed to it through Apple Pay. And even though I had like put a new card on there, it still was tied to whatever card was associated with my Apple Pay. So I had to like go through this whole process of getting it pulled. It was really, really annoying. Well, that'll never happen with Metro by T-Mobile because you don't take yada yada in life and you're not going to take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada helping you stay ahead without compromising on things you love the most. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. And we're back. Turns out, during the Cold War, Russia and the U.S., spoilers, folks, hated each other. Like, very much so. Loathed, despised, feared, and were fascinated by one another. So they repeatedly, pretty much immediately, they repeatedly began accusing one another of violating the treaty. Fast forward to not that long ago as we record today, On November 22nd, 2020, the U.S. bailed out of the treaty. So what happened? Here's where it gets crazy. So the U.S. kind of let the badger ahead of the bag as far as its plans to withdraw well in advance of November with the Trump administration sending mixed messages um, about whether the country would actually leave the agreement. This is something that the Trump administration has done many times uh, in terms of will they, won't they. Same with the Paris Climate Accord. They ultimately did get out of that one. But there's a lot of this kind of leveraging of kind of like keeping people on the edge of their seats in uh, some kind of weird power move. Uh, But the Federation of American Scientists sums up the United States logic uh, pretty succinctly um, saying this, quote, according to the U.S. State Department, Russia has restricted access for open skies flights over Kaliningrad, over Moscow and along the border of Russia with the Georgian regions of South Ossetia and Abkhazia. Russia has reportedly also failed to provide priority flight clearance for open skies flights on a few occasions. The United States raised these issues in the Open Skies Consultative Commission, uh, and some have been resolved. Nevertheless, the United States responded to limitations imposed by Russia by limiting the length of flights over Hawaii and removing access to two U.S. Air Force bases used during Russian missions over the United States. So a little bit of a tit-for-tat situation here. Ben, can, can you help us unpack this a little bit? Yeah. Everything you just said is True, Russia as a signatory to the agreement was not playing by the rules. Uh, Folks will notice that the areas Noel just mentioned, South Ossetia, Abkhazia, these are, I I would add parts of Ukraine as well, Crimea. Uh, These are areas that are hotly contested on the international sphere. And Russia is saying, duh, some sky open, other no. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I apologize. I'm just, I watched too many 80s movies. Uh, I sunk early. your battleship every <laughs> right? time. Oh, gosh, folks, we had the, we had the 
most fun riff. I'm so mad we didn't record it, where we were just imagining Vladimir Putin playing board games with regular people. I plus go. I possess part plus. <laughs> but, uh, but, but uh, yes, um, bad accents aside, it's true. Uh, it is provably, demonstrably true that Russia violated the terms of this treaty. And so this became a rationalization for other parties, cough, cough, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, the U.S., cough, cough, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. It became, it became this rationalization for the U.S. to also not obey parts of the treaty. It's understandable, right? It's an understandable concept. However, there are some problems with this perspective. First, the biggest one, the biggest badger in this bag uh, the biggest elephant in this room, as you said, Matt, satellite technology. Yeah. I mean, they, they can they can get extremely high resolution imagery and some of the other sensors that are on board. Many satellites can give you just ridiculously detailed information that you don't need to send a big, loud plane over there and you don't need to send 72 hours notice. You just got that thing. It's up there and it looks Always. It never looks away. <laughs> I have Sauron, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, that right there is alone. I is reason, I don't know. It's reason that makes this whole treaty a bit more ceremonial. Um, and just a, and just a, Something that just shows all the other countries that, hey, we have nothing to hide. That's literally all it, it has become and, and has been really since because we're talking 2002 is when it was ratified. We've had extremely good satellites. All, all Many of the countries that have signed have had ridiculously powerful satellites in the sky, in the above the skies for a long time. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Is it like having a treaty with very specific rules on how to tr how to transport VHS tapes in a world of digital downloads that's not that's not a bad comparison really the problem is the problem is the satellites is this ceremonial i love that you use this word because for people objecting saying that uh russia is not obeying the rules of this treaty, are we then just saying Russia is not doing the ceremonial song and dance that we wish it would do with us? You know what I mean? Uh, is it just offbeat for this for this choreography, this pageant, this theater? Uh, not quite. The thing is, if we go back to what Noel mentioned earlier with the Federation of American Scientists, we see that in 1992... U.S. analysts determined that this treaty doesn't really make risk for the U.S. Uh, Russia, Russia could already collect information with these observation satellites. And Russia, for a time, was running behind. They were, they were lagging in terms of monitoring capability. In, in their own satellites. Uh, and then the U.S. was also lagging behind in different things. There's, there's this constant push and pull, this constant um, 
gap in in capability. But as we said earlier, the thing about this treaty is it doesn't care about satellites. It is only about the planes, and it's only about what specific stuff one can have on a plane. So this criticism of Russia not obeying the rules, it's a, again, it's absolutely true, but it also sort of ignores what is implied to be the larger point. The larger point is who spies on whom and how. And now, uh, now to argue, you know, oh, our plane flights aren't working. It's kind of like pretending the U.S. satellites don't exist, which is, you know, uh, I'll say it. It's it's at best misleading. Uh, second problem, this is huge for NATO. This is huge for European security. And of course, uh, NATO is a rough beast slouching toward Bethlehem to be born. As, uh, as various poets would say, it's, it's not a perfect thing, uh, but it needs, it needs the U.S. The North Atlantic Treaty Organization needs the U.S. So the European countries who are signatories to Open Skies very much want the U.S. on board. The U.S. is not on board by the way, uh, as recently, as we said. You know who else is not on board? Any East Asian South, East Asian countries, uh, I, none of them are on board. And I am trying to imagine approaching China right now and attempting to get them on board with something <laughs> like this. But, but it, from a strategic standpoint is, is really what I'm thinking about. Like, what would be the benefit? I don't know. And I guess it would be just the same the same argument that was made when making it before. We have nothing to hide, everybody. Uh, I know you have nothing to hide, right? I have nothing to hide. Okay, cool. <laughs> Is that uh, true? We all have lots to hide. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about optics, right? I mean, that's what you're saying, Ben, like this idea that this is some sort of like uh, understanding, but it doesn't mean full transparency. That's not what it means. No, no. And it's so strange, you know... It's so strange with uh, with humanity, the rules it puts in place. There are laws about the right way to kill people. Isn't that nuts? No one ever thinks about that. No one, no one ever talks about that. They're 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 like the same way you would have a slaughterhouse with uh, health regulations. It's the way this species is. It's like okay, some methods maybe a lot of methods of killing people or endangering innocents are wrong. However, you know, if you do it, if you do it according to the following guidelines, I, I don't know. That's story for a different day. We're going to pause for a word from our sponsor, and then we're going to return with the more conspiratorial accusations regarding the open skies treaty. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. 
Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation vlogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness, kick back and spread some positivity into the world from smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports on stages and at the box office. Women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to women take the mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Join Metro. They help you stay ahead of the game with nada, yada, yada. That means no contracts, no credit checks, and no surprises. Outsmarting yada, yada means, uh, you know, taxis and stuff. Shady subscriptions. Did you guys ever order something online and you thought it was just like a one-time purchase, but then you found yourself subscribed? Yeah, I had to call and stop payment on something because I had subscribed to it through Apple Pay. And even though I had like put a new card on there, it still was uh, tied to whatever card was associated with my Apple Pay. So I had to like go through this whole process of getting it pulled. It was really, really annoying. Well, that'll never happen with Metro by T-Mobile because you don't take yada yada in life and you're not going to take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada, helping you stay ahead without compromising on things you love the most. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. We're back. So we mentioned the two big problems. First, the European countries feel like they very much need the U.S. on board for open skies. Uh, second, satellite technology. How much of this stuff is ceremony at this point, right? Uh, this is the third part. This is the third part. It's a little more uh, speculative. You see, critics of the U.S. decision 
to withdraw from this treaty are not just objecting to withdrawal from this one treaty. They are objecting to what they see as a larger pattern of withdrawing from arms treaties in general. And they, they think that there's something amiss. They think there's something wrong with this pattern. Yeah, and the critics aren't exactly shying away from how they feel about this. Uh, the House Foreign Affairs Committee chairman, Elliot Engel, who's a Democrat from New York, uh, in addition to Representative William Keating, a Democrat from Massachusetts, issued a statement on November the 23rd uh, saying that the Trump administration broke the law when withdrawing from the treaty um, as the administration did not give Congress a 120-day notice. Um, they went further in their statement uh, and got pretty heated by congressional standards anyway, um, saying the following. President Trump is attempting to burn down our critical institutions on his way out the door. In doing so, he not only jeopardized U.S. national security, but he blatantly ignored and deliberately broke the law. Burn. Mm. The one thing that you can say is true is that we withdrew, I believe, Ben, correct me if I'm wrong, November of 2020, which is very, very late into the four-year term of of the standing current standing president. So it's just, it is a bit weird to to drop out of that. We will talk about it further, but I I personally don't see the immediate need to do so, even with the stuff we discussed about Russia not necessarily playing by the rules. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a good point that we read a lot of government publications, government statements. That's kind of provocative for people to say, you know, this this guy that we don't like is not just leaving. He's burning everything down. It's uh, It's made for TV. But the point stands. And... You are correct. Uh, this is a withdrawal very late into a presidential term. Uh, if we are to look at it from a larger perspective of continuity of government, uh, then we could perhaps argue that any specific four-year period doesn't specifically matter. Uh, the problem is the rest of the world observes the U.S. on this four-year period. Uh, and as a result, uh, the U.S. does not have the best reputation abroad because you can, if you're another country, let's say, Matt, you're France, no, you're Germany. Um, let's make Paul a fun one. What country is Paul Mission Control? Luxembourg. I was going to say Luxembourg. What? Nice. Get out of my head. Nice. Get out of my head. <laughs> okay, well, uh, you were both going to say that because you are correct. Paul Luxembourg Deccant. Uh, so Luxembourg, France, Germany are looking at the U S and they've maybe made a deal and they say, okay, we can trust this guy who's here for four to eight years. <laughs> but, but after that, it's a new ball game. Can we trust this person? So now, uh, we see domestic echoes of that problem because critics are alleging this decision to leave the open skies treaty was somehow politically motivated. And the argument there from Engel and Keating and others who agree with them is that this is an effort to 
prevent the incoming administration of the U.S. from easily rejoining or even strengthening not just this agreement, but others. I honestly do not know this, Ben, and I I didn't find this in my research. How difficult is it to rejoin? Is it something that's going to be a, a major process? It should not be because of the rules or the the procedures outlined in the treaty. As we said earlier, for a country to join the treaty on open skies, uh, they need to have a they need to win a consensus vote from the signatory countries. And we know Europe very much wants the U.S. back in the game here because they consider it crucial for their own transparency and security. And, you know, U.S. has a pretty substantial air force. You know, we have the planes. <laughs> so Yeah, exactly. So this is, this is weird because it, again, as we've said before, nothing occurs in a vacuum, right? So these withdrawals from arms treaties, whatever, whatever the proposed logic for them is, uh, they occur in tandem with pushes from some factions of the U.S. government to develop new nuclear weapons. And this scares the heck out of a lot of people. Rightly so. So here's the big question. We've gone into the weeds on this on, on this treaty. Uh, it's it's kind of dry stuff, but here is the million-dollar question, the billion-life question. Why has the U.S. withdrawn from so many arms control treaties in the last few years? Uh, America first? I don't know. Isolationism? I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm just, that's a good question. Well, some of it rests upon the lasting influence of former officials, uh, pundits, and hawks like John Bolton. Uh, he, that you guys remember John Bolton? Yeah. Uh, he, he's been his, he's been his like whole career hating any kind of arms control stuff because, or hating anything that applied to the U.S. because he assumed that those kind of agreements would limit the U.S. and that other countries would n- just not obey those agreements and have no consequences. John Bolton, he he was uh, neoconservative, I believe, maybe? Is that Bush, w, George W. Bush era, and then pr- a little prior to that? Uh, wow, it's been a while since I've thought about that dude. But it makes complete sense, right? You get into one of these big agreements with other countries. Everybody doesn't have to follow the rules, even though they've signed something and say they're going to. But it also means that the U.S., like John Bolton's side, doesn't have to necessarily follow the rules. Maybe he knows how we are going to roll in that kind of agreement, and then he's just applying it. He's That's what it is. John Bolton... It's just projecting. Is it, is it all just like symbol, symbolic though? Like what's the point if it's non-binding? Is it just to kind of like have the like optics of, of rules of the optics of like order when it's all really just chaos and up to whatever the individual parties want to do? There would be theoretical consequences, right? But uh, how many like people- Like sanctions are, or- Well, how many people is the International Criminal Court convicted? Yeah, exactly. That's another uncomfortable question. So uh, shout out to you. Joseph Coney. Uh, The Open Skies Treaty is the third arms control agreement that the we're so very close to the uh, to the shift in the executive branch here. The the current president 
as we record this. Uh, this is the third arms control agreement that administration has left. The Iran nuclear deal, we're probably all familiar with, uh, that went that went kaput on the U.S. side in 2018. There was another thing a lot of people may not have heard about, the Intermediate Range Nuclear Forces Treaty. This country left that in 2019. So there are salient, valid, and immediate fears that the U.S. will also leave something called New Start, which is due to expire next month. This is a this is a treaty about nuclear weapons specifically between Russia and the U.S. We don't know at this point how Russia is responding to the U.S. withdrawal from open skies, uh, but it is it is advantageous. It is inarguably a good deal for Russia for the U.S. to not be involved in this treaty because it means that now Russia will be able to fly over U.S. bases in other treaty members' airspace, right? It'll be able to fly over U.S. facilities, and the U.S. will not be allowed to fly over Russia. Of course, yes, the satellites are still in orbit and pinging one another continually. It feels like it, like like putting ourselves at a disadvantage purposefully. Oh, that's we I I, I I it's not necessarily true, but it reads that way. Right. Like why even if it is ceremonial, even if it is symbolic, why hamper oneself in this manner? Uh to be fair, the president at the time of these decisions uh did specifically state there would be there may be light at the end of the nuclear tunnel. There may be hope for a new agreement in the future. And he said the following. He said, I think we have a very good relationship with Russia, but Russia didn't adhere to the treaty. So until they adhere to the treaty, we will pull out. And he went on to say, there's a very good chance we'll make a new agreement or do something to put that agreement back together, which makes sense. I mean, it, it feels like something that would get that would happen again. But there's a window, at least, where we're not going to be a part of it. Yes. And uh, the this is this is the conspiratorial part here. Is there a larger, longer game at play? Why now? Right. 2002 to 2020. Why? Out of the 18 years that this was in force, why did it end now? We have to say it. It's long been suspected that parts of the U.S. government have been and are compromised by Russian intelligence. In recent years, the executive branch of the United States has been the target of a majority of these allegations. The idea is that there is blackmail afoot. Uh, yeah. The, Compromat is, is sometimes used for the, the Russian version. And there's something many of our listeners remember called the steel dossier. You guys remember that? That was the one with the PP tape in it, right? It's one with allegations <laughs> yeah. of uh, uh, recreational urination. Yes. 
Among, among other things. Yeah, among for sure. many other things. And, you know, recently we've seen stuff coming from both sides of the congressional aisle in this country. Memos, you know, highly redacted memos that have very specific things to say that you and I, as, you know, just regular old citizens don't get to read. Um, and no, of course, we the, just pay, we pay those people to write things we can't read. Is yeah. that it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, the dossier itself has been called into question a ton. Mm -hmm. It's also, uh, one of those things that it's, it's hard for us as lay people to know, you know, what's in it, if it's real, uh, or like if what's in it is real. Yeah. Uh, however, uh, James Comey was pulled off, uh, let go from his job while investigating this stuff. And the U S intelligence agencies can confirm many of the allegations in the dossier add up or have at least some sand to them worthy of investigation. They're also, this is also coupled with, uh, controversial remarks about Russia performatively to Russia, uh, in, in public, uh, public statements by the current administration as we record this, you know, saying, hey, wow, Russia's going to help us with the election. Do it, which is not your political party doesn't matter. If you're in this country, you should not ask foreign countries for help in an election. That's 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 the big thing. Now, at this point, we have to say there's been no official. Widely accepted confirmation that Russia has its hand on the neck of the executive branch. There's no official confirmation of this, but it is certain that Russia interfered with the U.S. elections to put their chosen candidate in office. Yes, that's a scary 80s action movie thing to say, but the question is, is it true? We know that Russia tried to influence the election. We just don't know uh, the degree of success, really. We don't have... Oddly enough, the official Russian position is that they didn't interfere with the election. So, so there are people who are going to tell you that the reason the U.S. has withdrawn from multiple arms control treaties, uh, especially open skies, uh, is that they were told to by some foreign asset. What do you guys think? What do you guys think about that? It's a big thing to say, you know. It's a big thing to say, and it's a hard thing to like know. <laughs> you know, I don't know. So, something feels off. I, I would say, just personally, it, with, with a lot of these things, I think I've watched way too much Mr. Robot for me to objectively even like ponder it at this point. Maybe but, it's a corporation. Yeah. Maybe it's the Pepperidge Farm uh, folks. Are, are we, they the ones who make cookies? Yeah, it could be that. Uh, but, yeah, I think Spencer sure might be them. Um, but you know the uh, the other thing is that we've we've discussed this before on the show. The long game, uh, the the concept that perhaps the KGB or some other essentially sleeper organization within Soviet intelligence went underground for a long time and then resurfaced and with with plans to. God, it sounds silly. With plans to become the world power, the leading world power, eventually in the future at some point, and to rebuild the power that they once had. 
Um, it it rings of that. That does not mean this has anything to do with with those alleged plans. But yeah, I th- again, my maybe my head is just too deep in some of that stuff to think about it objectively. I mean, it makes a whole lot of sense. The idea of of of, of us doing it to benefit Russia in some way. There sure has been a lot of rhetoric uh, that benefited Russia, a lot of uh, kind of, you know, Trump aligning with Putin um, in, in ways that previous presidents just never have or never would in a million years. So I, I, it's it's hard to not think where there's smoke, there's fire. But again, really, really hard to prove and, and very much in the realm of conjecture. Yeah, that's the pickle. It's, uh, it's something that historians of the future are going to be debating and picking apart. Right now, the facts are this. Uh, the satellite technology that is not part of Open Skies delivers some of the same capabilities, right? And these satellites do pretty well. Uh, right now, by stepping out of this treaty, the U.S. has put itself at a bit of a disadvantage. Uh, the degree of that disadvantage remains to be seen. But the logic behind that withdrawal is, uh, you know, makes sense when you read the statements. Uh, they said the other folks aren't playing by the rules. So why should we continue uh, to play the game? And we'll come back if the rules are all followed again. Right, right. So not super apocalyptic here, but the more you dig into it, um, the stranger it seems, especially given that pattern of withdrawals from other existing agreements. Well, and, and the more tensions rise, the more dangerous it is for everyone. Not, right. not just Russia and the United States. The Federation of American Scientists and then the the Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists, that that the group that puts out that doomsday clock that we've ah, mentioned yes. before in the show mm-hmm. a lot of times. Um, you know, over the years, it's changed quite a bit since we've been making this show. My goodness. Uh, let's see, 2010, it was six minutes to midnight. 2012, it was five minutes to midnight. 2015, three minutes. 2017, two and a half minutes. 2018, two minutes to midnight. And uh, as of last year, 2020, it was 100 seconds to midnight, less than two minutes away. What does that mean, midnight? That means um, highly likely apocalypse, essentially, <laughs> right. or nuclear war, or you know, devastating things. Um, with with all of that happening in the world, having these tensions run higher and higher is just terrifying. Right, because we don't have to just think about the world today. We have to think about the world in the future. The most important part of this story, of the the species as a story, is not us doing this show now. And it's it's not you listening. It's the people who come after us. And that's and they they are in a very real sense our responsibility. So of course nobody wants nuclear weapons to deploy. I would think most people don't. Uh, But also, just like Eisenhower, most people want transparency. Um, If you look at the number of close calls we have had with nuclear weapons, as we said at the top of this episode, you will and should be terrified. (laughs) Things got very, very close, like multiple times. The decision whether or not to go to a nuclear war 
hinged on one person being reasonable. Like what? Like Matt, Matt, one guy, one guy was like, I don't know, man, maybe we shouldn't launch the nuke just yet. Let's, let's hang on. Everybody have a snack. Except there was so much sweat being generated and, um, I'm going to assume a generous amount of urine as well, but who knows? Um, because it's, it's, it was very, it, it could have been the end. Uh, okay. I don't want to think about that anymore, Ben. Um, that that's all happening. This is all happening. One last note, a bit of a current event. As we were recording this podcast, Russia went public with its plans to follow the United States and withdraw entirely from the Open Skies Treaty, creating a future that looks even more uncertain. So let us know what you think, folks. We know we got in the weeds a little bit on um, geopolitics and on a very specific treaty, but there is, there does seem to be a larger pattern at play. Do you think that these moves are legit? Is it the right thing to do to pull out of these treaties? Um, are other countries not behaving in good faith or not signing on in good faith? Is there something amiss with this pattern of withdrawal? If so, what is amiss? Uh, do you give any credence to the repeated claims that foreign powers have compromised mm. areas of the U S government. If so, we would love to hear from you. Uh, if not, we would also love to hear from you. We want to, we want to know your opinion. We try to make ourselves easy to find. You can uh, drop by Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You can find us there. We'd like to recommend here's where it gets crazy, which is um, rated by us as the best website on the internet. The best web page, I should say. Absolutely. It is. All you have to do to join up is know one or more of our names, the hosts or creators of this show. I'm not going to tell you our names again. Uh, hopefully you remember from when we said them every episode that we've ever made of this show. But what if people hate social media, Matt? Ah, if you dislike that stuff, you can use your telephone device to get in contact with us with your throat device uh the thing that makes sounds that you know i love you, it you, you, you got it um you can call our number it is 1-833-STDWYTK you can leave us a voicemail we will hear it and you may end up on one of the listener mail episodes just please tell us if you don't want your voice to be included in one of those episodes uh and guess what this episode was inspired by someone who sent us a voicemail. Someone that goes by Hidalgo. Yes! Thank you so much, Hidalgo. Uh, Seriously, you've sent us several just great messages, and uh, you may guess that's not this person's real name. But uh, Hidalgo, thank you. And if you would like to take a page from Hidalgo's book, as we said, of course, find us on the internet. You can find us on your local telephone. <laughs> that's weird. I guess when you think about it, we're there. We're on your phone. And if you don't care for any of that, that doesn't quite uh, fly your nukes, then you could always hit us up at our good old-fashioned email address, where we are. Conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com.
Stuff They Don't Want You to Know. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled, going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.